Hello and welcome to the N17 podcast. Um, if you're wondering why this sounds random and weird, it's because it's me, Eddie, hosting <laughs> this week. But we still do have our usual roster of Cosmo. Hello, hello. And Jed. So yeah, obviously we've not recorded for um, the last few weeks. So this is coming after the Chelsea result. And we'll also be talking about the result on the weekend against Wolves. Um, But I thought we would start with Chelsea versus Tottenham. Obviously a game that going into it, we weren't very confident about. Um, I think you'd ask any Tottenham fan before the game um, whether we thought that that it was it was a game that we should be winning, maybe. But is it a game that we thought that we would win? Probably you'd get nine out of ten uh, supporters being like, absolutely not. Um, and the result or the manner of the result is just something to behold entirely. Um, but yeah, going into the game, um, what were you guys thinking? Uh, it's a home game, obviously, um, and it's against... Pochettino's Chelsea. Um, it's a very loaded fixture. Um, and how are you guys feeling going into it? Um, first of all, I, I think I've got to disagree with with the fact that we... Well, I was feeling confident going into it, personally. Um, I thought that, you know, back then, you know, in the in the in those wistful days, we had a full team. And I just kind of... I thought about it logically and I was like, with the 11 players that we have against them, they haven't been in great form we should be winning. And I feel like I'd almost like clicked into sort of winning the league sort of mentality a little bit where I was like, okay, like if we are to go for a title race, we got to be winning these games. Um, and yeah, I don't know if we want to get ahead of ourselves and talk about like the, the what actually happened too much, but I it was just so disappointing how we saw the kind of like the inner... I'm I'm gonna call it Spursy. I hate the word Spursy, but genuinely, why our players got so riled up, starting with the Adogi two footed tackle, I have mm-hmm. no idea. And it just reminded me of Battle of the Bridge, and all roads lead to that game where we're in our current situation now, where we have we've essentially lost half of a squad from that game. So it's pretty horrendous, isn't it? The thing is, as well, I don't I don't quite understand why. I mean, obviously, every Tottenham-Chelsea game does seem to have that emotional side behind it, but I don't understand quite why our players were so emotionally charged for that game. I could I could understand it if there was, like, a proper core of that Pochettino squad still in that starting eleven and going into that game. But we essentially have... Well, we do have one starter left from that era in that game. Um and I've heard on other podcasts, and this this isn't me calling other podcasts out, by the way, but I've heard that like there's a suggestion that maybe Chelsea done something to ride us up, and I just didn't see it that way at all. I just saw it that we we just lost our heads for no reason. I think the Udogi challenge is really really weird from him actually, because for a player who's usually quite um, calm and collected, I I had to double take. I thought that ain't Romero flying in there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's I was thinking, what? And then, obviously, a couple minutes later, you get you got Romero kicking Colwell, um, which at the time I I didn't think was a red anyway, but like it, there was obviously enough in it for the uh, for the VAR to sort of review it. 
Um, and for me, that's the most frustrating thing. They both had warnings very early on. And Romero in particular, yeah, we can say he won the ball, but when you know what sort of player Romero is, I think you know exactly what he's doing with that. Um, and then Udogi, I think Udogi's one's just a lazy challenge. And obviously, we're not going to go too much into the Chelsea game in detail because it's been and gone now. But I think, like you said, Eddie, it is important to touch on it, seeing as we haven't pod- podded since, just because how that's effect- effectively going to shape our season now. Um, mm. We've lost so much momentum from where we were. Yeah. Even from the beginning of that Chelsea game, where the first 10, 15 minutes, we were genuinely brilliant. Yeah. And we we probably would have blown them away if it weren't for Sun's little toe literally being offside. Um, yeah. Look, it's just frustrating. And listen, Romero was really winning me background again this season. Um, and I know, I know a lot of Spurs fans still hold faith in him and obviously believe in him. But for me personally, it's, it's just too much now. I think he done it against Milan. Um, in a semi-final where we were sort of clawing our way back into that game. Not semi-final, wherever it was, round of 16. Um, and I don't know, it just seems big moments, big games. Sometimes he just can't keep his head. And I just don't know if you can rely on a player like that to be your vice-captain and sort of be an important part of your team. What spins my head about it is that like he defended well in a World Cup final for Argentina against France. Like <clears throat> when he had the pressure the eyes of the world watching him. So we know he can do it. But like, like what's he playing at? What makes him do that? I don't understand. It seems I, like a choice to me to do it. it. I think the problem with Romero's challenge um, in, in the Chelsea game is that you've built up a reputation. He's built up a reputation for himself for being an aggressive player and it's fine if that aggression is has been controlled for the majority of your career. But that's now been the fourth red card that Romero's received um, in 78 games or something like that, which equates to roughly uh, a red card every 18 games. Um, I think that's what I read. Um, and that is outrageous. For a defender that's meant to be um, a leader at the back, it, a defender that's meant to be kind of the bedrock of that spine, um, alongside Van de Ven. Uh, and we thought that, you know, now that he had a competent partner alongside him, that it would give him that sense of security, maybe to not need to be so aggressive and to, to fly in, knowing that he has security of someone equally as proficient at defending as he is. Um, it's just an insane choice. And yeah, like you, I wanted to circle back to what you guys were saying before, because I think we really set the tone for that game in the first 10 15 minutes with our aggression with our with our high press with the way we were so good on the, the ball especially turning it over and in transitions i thought uh, madison and sar in particular were really impressive in those early exchanges um and i really enjoyed watching brennan johnson go at james i thought he had a really bright opening as well i think the problem is and you guys have both touched on it, is that once you set that tone, you have to maintain a level of professionalism. You can't allow the emotion of the game to get a, a hold of you. And I think we've seen it time and time again at Tottenham where a decision goes against us. In this instance, it was the it was the offside. 
and something changes in our approach to the game. Before um, before Ange, it was uh, we our heads would drop. We would start to d- uh, drop five ten yards, potentially um, make stupid mistakes, concentration mistakes, and um, and I think we instead of that we were just overzealous. So it's the opposite. Um, obviously, Ange has come in and made some significant changes to the way we approach games, um, and we we're not a team to want to settle on a result. Although maybe we try to against Wolves, we'll talk about that. Um, but I think that the overzealousness of some of our players particularly as we've mentioned uh, Idogi and Romero, you're, the one thing that you shouldn't do is give a referee a decision to make. And we were doing that time and time again in that first half. With Udogi's challenge, very lucky, in my opinion, to get away with not getting a red card. The Romero, not a red card, but you've already got that in the referee's, the back of the referee's mind there when, when he does go and make that challenge on Fernandez, And... I think for a game that had so many VAR uh, decisions, I really don't think that any of them were truly horrendous against us. I do think that the majority of those decisions were correct. And in fact, some of them we were lucky to escape, especially with that earlier Dogi one. I know there were some other decisions that um, maybe some fouls we didn't win. But I do think that whilst you end the game on nine uh, with nine men, you think the game may have gone against you. But really... We played ourselves. Um, I, I don't know how to explain it other than being really disappointed in that aspect. But then at the same time, um, coming out of the game, the majority of the people who watched the game, including pundits, uh, including uh, just most neutrals, it was largely positive. The narrative around Spurs was very, very positive considering the result, which finished 4-1, if you guys have forgotten, although I doubt anyone listening has. Um, And I wanted to ask, like, despite what happened, did you, A, agree with Andrew's approach despite going down to nine men? And B, did you were you united in that overall feeling post-match that maybe the performance wasn't as bad as the result? Um, I'll I'll go because I can see Jed's taking a drink, but um, I was yeah. I think we need to we need to change this mentality. Um, we have to buy into how Ange wants to play. Um, I think you know to throw our head to the Wolves game a bit again. I think you saw Conte's mentality sneaking back in with those players like Dyer and Lo Celso, either through how they approach football um, or just like being unfit but the fact that they were dropping like five yards I think it shows that there is something within that team that doesn't want to play on the front foot how Ange wants to play and the only way to kind of set the tone and actually get them all to buy in is to like get them to buy in no matter what even if you're down to nine men so I actually do really agree with that approach um and it nearly it nearly won us the game as well like we had chances to to uh, at least get a draw and even win it. I know Chelsea had chances as well, but yeah, I mean, you can even say that, you know, uh, 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 City conceded four against Chelsea as well. So, you know, it doesn't look as bad in that regard. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it was a good thing in terms of it shows those players that that's how you got to play no matter what, really. Yeah. Yeah. I think- and I think, go on, go on, Jed. 
Sorry, Eddie. Um, I think you're right, Cosmo. If there's ever a time for Ange to really put forward what his principles are, I think that is the time more than anything because it had most most of the most of the eyes watching it, watching the game because obviously it's a big Monday night game. Um, and I think it was so extreme, uh, even with the personnel that we had, um, that most of us were thinking like. Come on, boys. We could we could drop a, a, at least five yards here, yeah. but I just I do just think you're right, Cosmo. I think if we're going to play that way when we have nine, it is that is that is as big a message from Andrew as you're going to get. That like it doesn't matter what scenario we're in, we are going to play the way I want to play, and I think that's 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 why for me even Wolves was a, was a big factor in telling me where the team's at as well because. We know everything we need to know about Ange now. And we know that he didn't want us to play like that on, mm-hmm. on against Wolves. We know for a fact he was not telling us to drop off, to not pass forward. Um, and I think you're right, Cosmo. I think you just have to look at the, some of the personnel we had out here, out there on Saturday against Wolves. Um, obviously you look at Dyer, uh, Davis, who actually probably had well, he got man in a match in the end and he, he was good on the day, to be fair. He was really good. Um, but there were still moments where he, he did get caught out. I think for their second goal, he might have second off whatever mm-hmm. got. He did just get caught out a bit. Um, and then you got Emerson, who I thought was on, oh no, honestly, I thought Emerson was dreadful in the weekend. I thought he was so lazy in possession. He was so lazy in, with his passing. Uh, thought he had so much more time than he actually did. Enough, and, and another player who I think's become like that. And I won't say become like that because I've been, I feel like I've been consistent with this all season. I've, I have been saying this to you boys, but I think Basuma as well. And I, I, I'm not going to say he's been, he's been bad all season. He definitely hasn't. He started really well, but I've, I've always said he has these moments in possession where he just freezes and like mm. he just becomes very lax in possession. Um, and then you, you throw it, it was just, it, we said it before the game even started that we're not really going to be able to press, uh, progress the ball with that midfield on the day, especially with the way Wolves press a midfield three of Basuma, Saar and Hoybier, as, as well as they've all sort of played this season. It, ju- it was just never going to be enough to sort of get the ball moving forward, especially with the defenders that we had in terms of playing out the back mm-hmm. and you spoke for, for Wolves' equaliser. Dyer just hoops it out of play. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's for the, for the winner. We get a free kick on the edge of our box when we're clearly under pressure. And for some reason, Hybea goes and passes it straight to them. Yeah. Free kick when we, when we have about three players countering against four, five or six of theirs. I don't know what he's thinking there, but he, he doesn't think that's the thing. <laughs> I think when he's passing, he's, he's clueless of what's around him. And it's just like, I, I think you're right. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to just be negative for the sake of it, but I, I think you're right, Cosmo. It does, it did look like we were watching a team of Conte's men out there on Saturday. I think, I, I think Hoybier's, I think that free kick is, that's down there with one of the, with the worst things we've ever seen from Spurs players on the football pitch. It I was horrendous. That's going it's alongside Lo Celso's corner against Everton. <laughs> Those two, I think, but what the fuck? Like, Jed, you're so right. You go to say, what was he thinking? He was not thinking. Look, the person who he's trying to pass to is out of shot. 
in in the TV camera angle, and he's done like a pass that goes five yards to a Wolves player. <laughs> Honestly, he shouldn't be playing again. He should never play for Spurs again. Sorry, I'm getting into the big gammon takes now that I, I'm not in the host chair and I'm I'm one of the pundits. <laughs> but I'm sorry, he shouldn't play for Spurs again. We've seen enough now. We've seen enough of him. Dyer as well. I actually felt kind of bad for him because, like, I, I know I said in the WhatsApp chat afterwards, I'm not going to criticize him because I know he can't do what Ange wants him to do. So there's no point in me even saying, "Oh, the defending was shit" over that. But that's another player just needs to stop playing. Just needs to stop playing. And maybe Ange needed this. Maybe Ange needed these players to go out and have a disaster class. Although you could say that he had that against Fulham. But surely he has to wipe the slate clean of them now. And we got to get some other people in there. I I think, um, and to swing it just back to, to, to wrap up on the Chelsea game, I think we're talking about a performance at Wolves, which is a result of those massive mistakes made by Romero and Adoghi and the fallout from that game. So just to uh, a quick run through, um, following that game, we start the full of, uh, the Wolves game with three out of that back four that started that game, completely not available. So you've got Udogi, Van de Ven and Romero all out, either through injury or suspension. You've got um, Davies coming back from injury straight into the starting lineup. Um, so no real... Uh, confidence in someone like Phillips, who we did bring in in the summer, but clearly uh, Ange doesn't believe that he's quite ready yet. Um, and you also have uh, Emerson filling in at uh, fullback. Um, we did speculate maybe whether a midfielder would go in there. Um, obviously, we weren't planning on seeing Davies, so that kind of changed things a little bit. Um Part of me thinks why not swap Davies and Emerson, but I think Emerson was just so poor uh, overall that it didn't really matter. I think he maybe probably would have been even worse at centre-back. Um, I just think that, yeah, if we're going to talk about the rest of the season, we have to talk about some of the major, major things that happened coming out of Chelsea. So both Van der Ven and Madison were confirmed this week to be out until at least the new year. Um, although knowing... Um, our medical team, we've maybe not seen them till March. Who knows? Um, it's looking pretty dire, um, to not put too fine a point on that pun. Um, I think, realistically, we have to look at that game at Wolves, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in some more detail. We have to look at that game at Wolves and think, how how is the Chelsea game going to inform the rest of our season? Because we've got another game coming up against Villa after the international break and potentially, yeah, we'll have um, Udogi back, um, which will obviously add a lot because I think Emerson is such a step down um, from Udogi in possession. Um, But you will likely have that centre-back pairing playing again. So I I must say, yeah, I did think that Dyer did well coming on um, at Chelsea like you said, Cosmo, he's not going to be able to do what um, Ange wants him to do. But I thought, listen, he did his, he did what he, he could in the Chelsea game. Um, but you are like Nicholas Jackson is getting away from about ninety percent of the like, the centre backs um, if he gets a, a race from them on the halfway line. Van der Ven's hamstring basically exploded when he tried to run um, up against uh, uh, against Jackson. So you know. 
Dyer doesn't have much of a chance. Um, I did kind of want to touch on um, some brief returns from Benton Core as well. I guess we will talk about it more on Wolves. Um, but yeah, we're, I think we're in a major crisis um, following that those that Chelsea game and the Wolves result. Um, but if we were to go, yeah, to cast our minds back to when the Wolves get before the Wolves game started, and you saw that midfield three um, of <laughs> Hobia, Saar, and Basuma. At least from my from from my eyes, the, my immediate question is, who's playing where? Because realistically, yeah. anyone can play in any of those three positions, and I don't know if Saar was the right choice to play in that in in that Madison role. Talk about uh, a round peg for a square hole. It was just, it wasn't right from the beginning to use a Gary Nevilleism. It wasn't right, um, and I just I'm not sure why Lascelles doesn't start that game or even Bentoncourt yeah. fit enough to to bring on. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we can all we can all see it with, with hindsight as well. But I can't remember who it was I was having a row with in the WhatsApp chat when I was saying I don't care. Like, I don't care if Sol's been good this season. How on earth is he a number ten? He doesn't have the the guile or the skill set to play as a number ten. Like, you need to be a mercurial player to play that position. And we lined up with three cloggers, really, basically. Uh, if if I'm being a bit harsh, because Saar and Basuma are good players, but ultimately those are players that you play to have a solid defensive base, in my opinion, all three of them. Um, and I honestly, I'm reticent to criticise Ange and he has my full support. We, we could lose the next four games, which I think is a possibility, to be fair. I just got the picture list up. I'm still going to be fully behind him. <laughs> Um, but he's got to take. He's he's not a, he's not a god or a cult leader, even even if it does feel like that at times. He's got to take some criticism. I don't see how any football manager can pick that midfield free and expect there to be any way to link the defense to, to the attack through that. Um, maybe you could say, uh, you know, like Liverpool and a lot of the German pressing style teams don't play without an out number tens, but they play with people that can that rapid and can cover a lot of grass. And as soon as you put Hoybier in there, you don't have that. I'm sorry. Like, even if the other two can do it, you just, you, you don't have that. So I think Ange deserves a little bit of criticism, not too much, not to go over the top, but I think it would have been nice to see Eddie, like you say, Lo Celso in there or Kudasevsky even, or I mean, people were saying before the game, including me, maybe Hill, but this cameo, let me not say too much. I, I actually think um, Hill did the best with what he he could do. Same with Lacelso as well. And uh, you know what? That for me, that was the most frustrating thing about the, the Wolves game. Um, I didn't like the midfield lineup to begin with, anyway. But I think it was like abundantly clear to everyone that we went one nil up, and from fifteen minutes, we were hanging on to that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a, I don't know I don't know what minute it was when Ange made the first sub, but subs needed to be made at half, half time in that game. We could have done with bringing Benton Kerr and Lacelso on because we just we just weren't getting the ball forward. Um, wingers as well. Uh, whenever they got the ball, they they did get in behind sometimes, but I don't know. I, I just think Wolves Wolves pressed really well as well. That's the thing. Um, 
But I think they they specifically pressed when it got to our midfielders uh, because they knew that they they can't they can't receive under pressure, um, and it's very easy to press our midfield if we don't have someone like Madison who can just evade pressure. Uh, so yeah, again, I, I agree with you, Cosmo. I, I won't I won't put too much of the blame at Andrew's doorstep because ultimately, look at the hand he's been dealt with. Um, We've got a very, very threadbare squad. We knew we had a threadbare squad going into this, into the season. And we probably lost the three, oh, oh, fuck it. I'll say four worst players we could lose in one game because you yeah. can't, you can't, no one can do you Dogie's role. Um, obviously no one can replace Romero and Van der Ven and no one's going to bring the same quality that Madison brings. So look, it's, listen, Andrew's dealing with what he, with what he's got, but. I do think next game against Villa, we're going to have to see Lacelso because we de- we definitely need a bit more creativity. And actually, one thing I've always said about Lacelso, and I think it's clear anyway, he puts in a shift defensively. You saw that most of the time he was the one getting back, making challenges. Um, so I'll probably start again because, well, he's going to have to have to start, I suppose, because Benton um, Basuma obviously got the suspension. So maybe Bentenga comes in in place of Basuma, and then I don't know. We're gonna have to go from there. But I, yeah, I've I've been saying to you lot on the group chat all week that I'd be surprised if we won before January because the fixture list is looking quite bleak for us, especially in terms of where the squad's at. So yeah, I I kind of wanted to bring this up um, now. Now would be a great time. We talked about the midfield options that we were we had available um, at the beginning of the game, so before the game, obviously. We knew that Madison was out injured before the game um, during the week, but then we saw that he pulled out of the England squad, which is which was an ominous sign for things to come. Um, and obviously now we've since had it confirmed that he won't be back until the new year. Um, I agree, I think... Looking at that midfield and seeing LaCelso on the bench and seeing Hill on the bench, we had options that we didn't take. Um, and I think part of that is to do with the fact that we have Davies and Dyer starting at centre-back. There is an element of that that I'm sure Ange was thinking about. Um, obviously, you have two, I'd say, players that are not even half as mobile as our starting centre-backs. Um, and you have a starting back four three of whom um, are not our starting back four. So you only have Porro in there, who you'd say out of the four um, defenders is the least defensively minded player in, in that back four. So you, you are looking at a team that's fundamentally different um, just from the back. And when you then throw into that um, Madison being out, so you don't even have a creative outlet, uh, a, an outlet that um, can evade the press, that can find little pockets. You are just starting to to struggle immediately, and the problem was that we had a false sense of security with that opening ten minutes, with um, Kulisevsky getting that ball in, Poro flashing that ball across, Johnson scoring. You think, wow, maybe. Maybe you know, do I mean maybe Angeball is is literally just a miracle from it's just manna from heaven. I don't, I don't know how we're doing it, but we're doing it. Um, 
But then immediately after those 10, 15 minutes, the game fell into a pattern that we saw for 70 minutes. Um, and the worst part was I don't think that Wolves created unbelievable chances in that game. I think it looked like we were hanging on for a lot of that game without conceding some really, really good chances. And as Aaron put in the chat, you're 1-0 up at 90 minutes and then you lose the game 2-1. That is a massive, massive issue. That's something we saw under Conte, something we saw under Mourinho, something we saw under uh, Nuno briefly. You can't lose control of a game like that. Even though you could say we lost control by that point, the fact of the matter is we saw uh, uh, on the weekend a squad that isn't built for what we were entering. There's never a title race to begin with. And, And we've said this from the beginning. But what we also did see was a, a squad that is still really hesitant. And I think the the lessons that we can learn from that game are that, like you said, boys, the, the players that remain from that Conte era, that Mourinho era, that, that Poch era, there are the remnants of a mental frailty in that team. And until you get rid of those players, um, you're not going to see a fundamental change. Um, the fact that they are options and options that we have to use, we're going to get to a situation where even when we're playing brilliantly, you're going to have moments where these players let you down. They've already let us down before. Um, and I think potentially you can say, yeah, Davies had a good game. You could say Dyer wasn't awful. But at the same time, these players are not fit for purpose. And going into the season especially coming out of the summer window that we had, we knew that an injury, one injury would um, completely change that, that team's, uh, that team's dynamic. And the fact that we came out of the the Chelsea game with, but both our centre backs out, our starting left back out, our creative outlet out, all your nightmares happened all in one go. And, that's why I agree with you, boys. I don't think that um, particularly that leaving the blame at Ange's doorstep is a correct reading of the game. And at the same time, I think like Poch, uh, when he first came to Spurs, you learn more about your team in these situations than you do when you're winning. Because I think that we saw out of the, the games against Crystal Palace, against a few other teams that... We won in those games, but it wasn't convincing. I mean, you were starting to think, when was the last time we played convincingly? I think we're learning a lot more about, like, who we can rely on, even when with our best players out. I guess to an extent, but I don't know what you can learn from these players now. I feel like we've just got to limp through every game at the moment. It's such a, such a kind of like half-assed squad at the moment. He's just gonna. I think he's just gonna have to put a team out that he thinks can get a result. I think he's gonna have to go against principles because he literally doesn't have the, the players to <clears throat> play the way he wants to. I think the only way that we learn something from this is if he throws in some young players, which is a possibility. Um, but do you really want to throw them into that that cauldron? That's the thing. I mean, we. <sighs> 
We have players that we still didn't get to see. I know Vélez was available, didn't didn't get any minutes. Um, Hill barely had time to affect the game. Um, obviously, Phillips on the bench uh, didn't get any minutes. There are still things that we can try. Um, but yeah, I do, I do wonder what we're going to see over the next few games, which um, I think would be good to get into um, in part two. So we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll get on to that in the next section. Okay, hi and welcome to part two. Um, so yeah, obviously the fallout from the Wolves result um, was that we lose 2-1, um, a, a double hit from Sarabia and Lamina at the end of the game um, within the last eight minutes of added time. Um, and it essentially puts us from first to fourth in uh, a week, essentially, um, in seven days. Um, and what I really wanted to go on to, apart from obviously the two really poor goals conceded in extra time, um, how do we see the season panning out from this? Obviously, going into the Wolves game, I thought that although Wolves have been decent like in terms of the way they play, I did think that we were going to get results. I don't think Wolves have been particularly great at getting the results that they deserve. Um, but losing it like that, and then we have some really, really tricky games coming up where you've got Villa, Newcastle, City, um, and then beyond that, a few more just complete banana skins. How do we see the season panning out, at least until January, um, but just in general? Uh, I'll go with you, Jed, because I know... Uh, you probably have a few a few hot ones to to, to rattle off here. Uh, yeah, I I do I do think it's going to be really tough. Like I said, just just purely because of that fixture list. Now, um, I know I know Romero will be back. Um, was it two games time now? So he yeah. misses the city game, right? And Yudogi will be back next game as well. But I do just think it's the type of games I, I always. I always sort of looked at this run of fixtures even before the Chelsea game happened and I I looked at this period coming up as the real test for us because I think there's a really lot of uh, I think there's a lot of really interesting tactical battles um in those games coming up so for example you've got a game against Newcastle who is basically just all out energy against a side like us and obviously we we play with quite high energy as well um but I think how you saw with how our midfield dealt with the press against Wolves, I just don't think they'll be able to cope with that against Newcastle. Um, I think Villa as well, another team who are very well drilled tactically. I just think with the with the lack of quality, I think it's another team that we're going to struggle to sort of get much change from. Um, and again, a lot of a lot of threat on the counter, and they might not even come to just counter us. They might just have too much too much quality attacking wise anyway for our defence. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's for me. It's 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 about getting through these next three games now. Um, hopefully, trying to get a result out of one of them, um, and then once we get, because I think the next three is it Villa, Newcastle City. Villa, no, yeah. Villa, Villa City, West Ham. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, even West Ham. West Ham's a tough game as well. Um, and I do think towards when you start getting towards that like middle of December, I do think the fixture list, albeit like I know it's like so cliche to say there's no easy games in the Premier League, but I think it does start to look a little bit kinder. 
obviously a few banana skins, but hopefully by then the squad is sort of the, the, the squad players who have come in. Hopefully they're a bit more adjusted to the system and they've got a bit more minutes in their legs. They're used to it and just proper drilled it into them that this is the way we're playing and you need to you need to follow that. Um, yeah. I've got it up now after Newcastle is Forest away, Everton at home, yeah. Brighton away, uh, and then Bournemouth at home, and then United away. I think all of them. You could pretty it, much. Yeah. You could you could see us getting something. Yeah, as long as long as the squad's in a good place, um, I, th- I think there there is an opportunity to start gaining gaining some points back in those games. But I think that listen, there's the. I, I never really jumped on board with the whole could we stuff. Um, not that I think there's anything wrong with that, but you guys just know that that's, that's my character. Like, we mm. could be top. We could have won the league at 33 games and I'd probably be saying, no, nah, we're still not winning this. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, I, I, I just think for me personally, I'm kind of glad it's tempered expectations in a way because... Listen again. I just I I feel bad saying this because I don't I don't want to tell any fan that they should support support the club in a certain way. But I do think it's it's almost a bit of a um a reality check for us that it is still early days and it's not in the way that we expected it to be a reality check because the squad has completely fallen to bits. But it's fine. Like. We, we, even even before we had the injuries, yeah, we we played really good in some games. And other games, you could see it's still a work in progress. And I think people need to remember that it's still still two three months into a new process, and it, it's going to take time regardless. And more importantly, we knew that the squad was going to take about four or five transfer windows to get in a good place anyway. So, I think look, as long as we can sort of, I mean, I'm looking I'm looking very far ahead now, but. For this season, as long as we can get some sort of European competition, um, I'd be pleased with that because I, I said it at the beginning of the season. I do think we can give Europe a proper go next season, whether that be the Europa Conference League or Europa League. I think we do have a very good chance at competing in one of those. So let's just sort of try and get through this Christmas period, get Madison and Van der Ven back, and then we'll see where we can go from there. I I think um the 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 idea is that there's so much football left to play. There was so much football left to play when people were talking about us being in a title challenge. We knew that we had the propensity to to fuck it all up anyways um, from where we were. But that also means that we do have the chance to get it all back on track once we do have our players back. Like January is only halfway through the season. Um, we've seen, you know, crazier things happen um, from you know, teams coming from 10th place to 4th place in in the, in that period in the second half of the season, we've seen teams go from 1st to 5th in that period. So I do think that there are there is a lot of football left to play. Um, I do wonder uh, if this is a good for the team in general. You had players starting to talk about we need to continue winning games if we want to be serious about challenging the title. And obviously you have to think that as a player, you can't go into the, the dressing room and, and be like, oh, well, we're going to not get points at some point. You have to think that you're going to win every game. I think that's something that Ange wants the players to think as well. Um, I do think that 
Spurs are better when we're not the media like the media isn't in our in our corner which it was which was starting to happen um over the last few games i think we're better when um we're not liked and i think when when opposition teams start to feel that spurs are getting in there's an added 10% from every single team we play for some reason to prove us wrong to to get a result against us um it's always felt like that um especially uh, i'd hate to even mention the season that that um leicester won the league but we did obviously talk about the battle of the bridge and that's just another season where no one but spurs fans wanted uh, tottenham to get anything um and the same with now with with spurs getting some plaudits it riled people up the wrong way and i think um it's obviously quite pathetic but it's very it can be like you just end up playing that game with all these fans, um, and I'm sure it gets into the players' heads. Um, what I feel and what I think, and hopefully, um, yeah, we'll go into it a bit more. Is that I I think that there was too much expectation too soon. Um, this isn't this is a transitory season for us. This isn't the this isn't the Arteta season of last season. This is the first Arteta season where Arsenal were dreadful. Um, this is the first season of. Uh, a massive change at the club, uh, much like I said earlier, like Pochettino's first season, where Ange needs time to, first of all, instil an identity, which we're doing, and it's clearly obvious how remarkable of a change he's made um, within six months, if that. Um, and this is a this is a season where there's going to be some significant growing pains, um, especially when you're trying to get rid of so many players we still have to consider the fact that a lot of the players that we got rid of in the summer are going to come back uh, at the end of the season. There's a lot of stuff that still needs to happen at the club before we can start to think, okay, now the club's in a healthy position to challenge, to, to, to look towards the top of the tree. Um, And we've got to remain at pace with teams like Newcastle. Um, We said that Chelsea may click into place. They, they just held. I mean, they could have easily won that game against City on the weekend. Um, scoring four against City, obviously defensively they were poor. But then you know, United somehow always just get results in a season. We're talking about a team that are now fifth. Um, Villa keeping the pace. We're talking about eight teams that are like not far apart in terms of the points that they're going to be getting over the season. So I think realistically. Um, there was a lot of expectations too soon, and we saw the uh, the frailty of the squad. Um, I guess you you were talking about it, Jed, but I'll pose this to Cosmo. Um, when do you reckon is the appropriate time um, to believe that we can be challenging for things? Is it a case of you know we have to wait for several uh, you know several transfer windows? Is it a case of just getting out these players that have been at the club for seven, eight years and, and not won anything? Or is it a case of, you know, even as soon as next season, um, when we have had a season under Angie's belt, is that, okay, should we kick on? Um, <clears throat> I'm someone that holds very contradictory uh, ideas because as you were saying that, Eddie, I was thinking, you know, when you were saying we could never have done the title this season, I was thinking, you know... I do think if everyone stayed fit, stayed fit, there could have been a miracle. 
I genuinely do believe that. I think we looked amazing with everyone fit, and I think they could have been like a Leicester style miracle. Um, but then you say, when can we be at a position where we challenge for things? And to give a very depressing answer, I don't know if it's actually possible for a team like Tottenham to actually assemble a squad that can challenge these teams with with the wealth that they have. Uh, everyone gives the stock answer of, of City, but. I mean, even compared to Liverpool and Arsenal, we don't have those resources that they have. We need a miracle to go in our favour. And uh, after the Chelsea game, where we had such a, almost like a freak accident with four or five players missing, I'm of the belief that we're just a bit cursed. I don't think we're ever going to um, be able to challenge for a title. I'm sorry. I know that is depressing, but I think... <laughs> Yeah, we need we need we need a miracle if we are to do it. Something like an FA Cup, yeah, maybe. Maybe. I'm always I'm always gonna dream, but when I think about it realistically, I think there's a reason why since probably Redknapp, whenever we've got kind of we've got up there, there's it's always been a case of what Wenger said about the, the blanket where like it's either too short, uh it's too short, so either you can cover your feet or you can cover your chest kind of thing. I think Spurs just always going to have a squad of like 13 good players with like two or three superstars and they're not going to have the capacity to last the season. I just think that's our financial reality. And you can ask deeper questions based on that. You could say, do you want like a billionaire to buy us? Personally, I, I wouldn't because I look at teams like City and Newcastle and I see their success as hollow. But can a team with our resources win a league is so unlikely. It's probably like 0.25% chance every season, I reckon. Yeah, well, fair. I'm I'm so enthused and delightfully <laughs> after that. But I no, I, I agree. I, I think the reason why I posed the question was because it it's quite an open question. I said, what what is the appropriate time to be? We could be challenging for things. And the reality is, uh, you know, Titles is the thing, but what are we challenging for? What 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 would bring us the satisfaction every season? Is it getting into the Champions League, having a good run in the Champions League? Um, is it winning domestic cups? Is it challenging for titles? And I'm of the I'm of the inclination that titles don't define teams. Um, you know, I think that if I was to see Tottenham win like a couple of trophies over my lifetime. I think I'd be happy. Um, I don't know if that's pathetic or not. I think it's just a case of our football is, I guess this is a kind of almost a philosophical debate. Football is means so many different things to so many different people. I think the satisfaction of how the season started was about how organic it felt. Yeah, we spent money in the summer, don't get me wrong. We spent... 40 million on a centre back, 40 million, you know, 45 million on, on, on an attacking midfielder and loads of mini different buys. You've got players coming in from buys we made previous seasons. We did not spend money. Did we spend enough? Probably not. Um, but you know, we're spending within our means. We're hearing transfer rumors or, and stories about we've actually spent the majority of that cane money. Um, and when you think about it in that sense, um, yeah, I think what we're doing is is fantastic for the level of investment we're able to afford, and like the 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 squad that we have. 
I also think that we're never going to be in a situation where um, all of those good players are in one place at one time. You know, when when Kane and Son were at their peak, he'd already lost Van de, uh, uh, not Van de Ven, although he is a Vertonghen regen. Um, you'd already lost Vertonghen and Alderweireld by that time. Well, you know, when when uh, when you had that team of like Rose and and Walker, you know that probably was the best team that we would we'd see in a long time um and then you lose you lose just one one of those players two of those players and suddenly that team is not what it was bearing in mind the team that that team stayed fit for the majority of that season that's why we played so well we didn't mm-hmm. really have any significant <clears throat> injuries that season um and i think that yeah we're at, we're at a point now where yeah you could actually say again once again we have a very very good start in 11 um and had Madison not got injured and Benson Cole got up to speed and potentially gone in uh, for Saar, you're looking at a team that's like, okay, yeah, why can't we? Why can't we maintain a ch- title challenge? And the reality is, and then we haven't even gotten into it, Kulisevsky is probably not good enough for a title challenge. Uh, Brennan Johnson, I really like him, is someone that isn't at their the peak of their powers yet, although I do really like him. Richarlison, not good enough to challenge for a title so it means you're relying on Son to do a lot of heavy lifting um, up top there when you've got essentially just list, listed three players who I don't think are title quality. Um, and then, you know, that's players that we think are actually good that should start every game. You then look at our our bench. It's that, it's that quote coming to bite us again. Mourinho saying he looked at the pitch, he looked at the bench and he looked back at the pitch. And I thought that we'd gotten away from that. Um, in the first like five or six weeks of the season where we were looking at the bench and we're like, okay, I see the Celso, Benton Cole's coming back, Brian Hill, do you know what I mean? Even Johnson, when Richardson was playing, I was like, okay, maybe look at the bench and there's someone there. Now I'm looking at the bench and says, I'm looking back on the pitch. I'm looking back on the pitch. So uh, I do I do wonder, like you say, Cosmo, if is there a reality where we do challenge for these for these titles when teams are, are able to to spend 200 million in January. Do you know what I mean? Not even in the summer window. Like, they're able to spend big in any window. Um, how do you think... So, bringing the focus right back down to, like, January or... Uh, how do you think that we cope? Um, because we're going to see Dyer, They're going to see Davies. Um, they're, they're just going to have to start games. Um do you think that we continue this approach, especially with those players? And do you think that Ange is going to be confident enough to put a Lo Celso or Kulisevsky in that midfield to give us a bit more creativity? Because I thought if there was one game to do, it would be Wolves. I don't think I, I'd I'd really fancy it against a City or or Newcastle um, or, or or teams of that ilk. I think. I think the thing with Angers is that although the game against Wolves might have seemed a little cautious um, by his standards, I do think I do think what you guys said earlier might be right in the fact that I do think he might have learned something from that game, and I I'm hoping going forward that he won't be so cautious with with his selection. Um, obviously, like you said, Eddie, the the defensive selection you can't really do much about. Until Romero's back, Udogi's back, it is what it is. Um, but I think I think we'll see changes going forward in the midfield. Obviously, Basuma's his go to anyway, and he's going to miss one game. 
Um, it seems like Saar is pretty much one of the first names on the team sheet, especially at the moment. Um, so I think uh, uh, beyond that, it'll, it'll, I do think Lacelso or Benton Go will come into the side just to give us a little bit more, like Cosmo said earlier, linking that defence to the attack. Um, one thing that does worry me though, um, and maybe this is just, maybe I'm just not, not even scaremongering, but like, I really worry how Van der Ven comes back from his injury. Um, we've seen, obviously, and Cessna Young's hamstring injuries are re- recurrent, so that's a different issue altogether. But for a player like Van der Ven, where obviously his explosiveness is so important to not only him, but the way that we want to play, um, I worry if... And, and look, he, he's young enough. He, he will recover from it. But I do wonder if... Mentally, it can affect players. They they think twice about how they how they how they're bursting off. Um, obviously, I don't I don't know if that's in Van der Ven's character. It might not be. Um, but part of me does worry that we just can't have nice things as Spurs fans, and he, he's not going to come back the same player. Um, but yeah, we we just we do like I said earlier. We we just need to get to January. Um, it is worrying that Ornstein. Although I don't know if I should really listen too much to what he's saying. Because Spurs could have just briefed that we might not have too much money. But that would worry me if we don't have much money in, in January. Um, obviously, you've seen today that Saudi want Richarlison. Um, and he's just got to think of what that will do for so many kids in Brazil. Because that is just, that's life-changing money, man. Go and take that. Go and take that. <laughs> we can get £30 million for him and we can... You can put it towards the loan with an option. Right, Jed, I know you're drafting an email right now. Like, Listen, bro, I love you, innit? Like, keep doing, keep doing what you're doing. This is life-changing money, bro. I also saw today that we're linked with that Juve guy, that Samuel Illing Jr. He's called. Um, which, again, is it's another winger, which he's, he's got potential, but I, I feel like we need... Re- we need real ceiling raises yeah. for for wingers. I don't think I don't really think we need any more sort of a, the same level winger in the squad. Um, but I can understand it if it's a thing where obviously Juve want Javier and we want him and we can we can do some sort of deal that way. But yeah, centre back again. Injury issues have highlighted how much we need that backup centre back. But I, I, I do think. If going forward, Dyer can't can't fill into this role, I think we're going to have to chuck a Phillips or a Dorinton in because there's no point persisting with someone like Dyer if he's not giving us that performance level. We know he's not going to be here beyond the end of next season. There's no point persisting with someone like that because you're not learning anything. You're not getting any long-term benefits from it. So you might as well just throw someone like Dorinton or Phillips into it, see how they fare if they... if if. If if they if they sink then they sink if they swim then that's, that's fine they they might perform well enough to to show that they're capable enough of being a backup for us for the rest of the season and that's mm-hmm. fine we're not expecting them to come in and be world beaters but we're not going to learn anything by having Dyer continuing to start games continuing to try and try and play a highish line which we didn't really do against Wolves anyway and he. Yeah, he he's okay on the ball, but 
he can't play out like Romero or Van der Ven can. He's not quick enough with his passing. He can get pressed very easily. And another thing which we said on, on Saturday as well, he loves chasing players out and getting spun and trying to press them on the halfway line and he's never going to get anywhere near them. What are you doing? <laughs> Just sit off of them. So, uh, it, yeah. I, uh, it's, I just, it's decision making, isn't it? Because he sits uh, off at the wrong time and he presses at the wrong time. That's the problem. Yeah. But you don't sit off on the edge of your box and you don't press on the halfway line when you're Eric Dyer, like either of those things. And yeah. yet we see him doing time and time again. I think for this for the first goal, especially, he, he boots it off the pitch, you know. Don't know what yeah. he's doing there. But then instead of engaging Cunha, he just sits off. Um Hoybier doesn't track a run, Davies doesn't get across, and all of a sudden it's it's a it's a wonderful goal from Sarabia, of course, takes it brilliantly. But so, so preventable. Yeah. Um, and you just got to be able to read the game in that situation. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that is just another oh, issue that we're facing. Um, yeah. We know the limitations of these players. I know that I said that we might have learned something, but those things we don't, we didn't need to learn. I don't even think Ange needed to learn. Hence the reason why Dyer was often not even making the bench in the early stages of the season. So I don't know what to tell you, man. Um, I, I think going forward, obviously. Romero is not another one out of January, so we will see him again. You just hope that, I mean, we say this after every single time he gets a red card that he's like learned his lesson. Um, I just think that we're going to see it, going to see it time and time again, um, unless something changes in his, in his brain. He's got, it's like the Luis Suarez thing. Like we know he's, Suarez is brilliant, um, but he's just got that, 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 that little edge of just, Absolute insanity, just waiting to come out at any point. Um, and I think Romero has that as well. Um, and I think maybe the only difference um, between us and, and Argentina is that um, I think that the added pressure of like being part of Messi's team potentially like gives him that a bit, a little bit of calmness because he's got that to maybe um, to like hold him accountable, but. He needs to be able to do that for for Spurs, because um, he 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 put out a really really interesting enough or good interview, um, especially coming out of the second international break where, you know, he came off at half time because like yeah no I want to be fit for for the get Fulham game, um, uh, and like I want to be able to be available for Spurs, talking about like getting the vice captaincy and stuff, and I thought that. Yeah, like you said, Jed, he was winning over a lot of people that did have question marks um, over his over his um, temperament. But um, yeah, I, I'm really I, I, we, we kind of need to see it. We need to see him um, actually show that lead, those leadership qualities um, and remain, you know, with the lid on. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's anything else that you guys wanted to talk about. Um, I'd say, yeah, there isn't anything else that I had uh, on the running order, Cozy. Yeah, uh, just to close, I just, I think um, it's going to be a massive test of Levy this January. I'm not always the most Levy out person at all, but I think if he can look at um, how I think things will go with Dyer and just with Dyer in at centre back and like the lack of depth and not fork out probably 
that team probably needs at least 100 million spent on it now i'd say at the very least and i know it's hard to do business in january but i think we're gonna absolutely limp into january and to go from somewhere where we've been on such a high we were top of the league we were potentially if we beat chelsea we would have been five points clear um city dropping points again now like we beat wolves as well i don't know how many points clear we'd be it'd be nuts but um to go from seeing a first team like that to seeing the reserves bring us down to a level where I know Wolves have been good this season, but Wolves are, are teams that you go into it and you expect to lose to, then it would be negligent in the extreme if he doesn't fork out a lot of money, uh, particularly on the defence. I think that's where the bulk of the funds need to go, really. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think... Um... <clears throat> We'll see. Uh, we we we'll we'll have to see what like what the what the team does. I'd be very I'd be pleasantly surprised if we manage to rally together and do put in some good performances. Essentially, this is a free hit for us this season. Uh, we can't say it because I hate saying it. That like, no season is a free hit, but we have to we have to be able to take this as a transitory season for the squad, and we just have to see what works. Like, can we put in Dorrington and Phillips? Can we play Lo Celso in the midfield or Kulisevsky in the midfield? Are we able to problem solve um, when we're we're under pressure? And I'm sure we're going to bring this up in 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 pods, so I don't want to terrify you guys. But this is without mentioning the Asia Cup, which we'll see Son go out, and the African Cup of Nations, which we'll see Basuma and Saar. Um, out the team as well. So if if you add that to our injuries, we basically don't have a team. Yeah. So, so not yeah, not to not to terrify you guys, but there is that um, lurking in January. But yeah, uh, <laughs> if you if you've got to this far in the pod, uh, obviously thanks for listening. Um, please leave a review on Apple Podcast, Spotify. Give us a five star. Um, share. Uh, but yeah, um, hope you guys enjoyed. I've been Eddie. Um, I've been with Cosmo. Thanks for listening. And and Jed. Cheers, host. And hopefully, uh, <laughs> <laughs> cheers. <laughs> and hopefully, next time we record, um, we'll we'll have um, we'll, we'll have beaten Villa. Um, enjoy the interview. So, so, so.